All right, let me read beginning with verse 18 of chapter 9. You'll remember this if you were here last week. We read verses, we already did 18 through 21. So here's what happened. The sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Parenthesis, at least there's a parenthesis in my Bible. Ham was the father of Canaan. Close parenthesis. That may seem like just a minor detail, but it will become very significant shortly. Verse 19. These were the three sons of Noah, and from them came the people who were scattered over the whole earth. So I think we observed last week, we're all related to Noah and one of his boys. All right, verse 20. Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard, and when he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. So that's where we stopped. Um, this, this is a significant amount of time after Noah came off the ark because uh, you plant a vineyard and it takes a while before you're able to harvest enough to produce wine. Not that I would know all that much about it, but I'm at least aware of that. And so whatever amount of time it was, we do know that Noah was uh, over 601 years old, and he should have known better than to consume that much wine and to get drunk. And it was pretty bad. It says uh, he drank some of its wine. Um, Yeah, he sure did. I think a lot of some of it. So he got drunk, and he was apparently passed out, lay uncovered inside his tent. So that's where we left off last week, and I think we made an observation that if Noah can seemingly so easily fall into sin, then we better be on guard and we absolutely keep our eyes on Jesus and make sure that we don't do something like he did that would embarrass us and humiliate us and and bring disrepute to the kingdom of God. So... Just, just a word, if you were here Sunday, you know I preached from Philippians, and part of the message was uh, we haven't arrived yet, meaning we aren't uh, totally spiritually mature yet. We've still got growing to do. No matter how old we are, no matter how long we've been a believer, we still have room to grow. And so Noah certainly, obviously, um, had gotten off track somewhere in his intimate relationship that he had with God. Um, I I don't think Noah got up one morning and decided I'm going to get drunk. Now, I know I'm just kind of wandering away afield a little bit from the passage, but by observation of Scripture and observation of human nature, when we have a close, intimate walk with God, generally sin does not overwhelm us. Just like that. I mean, not, I'm not saying it can't, but generally the observation would be that it doesn't do that. That it sin catches us a little bit at a time. My guess is that, uh, I'm not trying to be flippant at all, but my guess is that Noah didn't have a quiet time that day. I mean, that's just my guess. And so I think probably... There had been a progression toward this. It may have even happened before and not mentioned in Scripture because 
his son didn't see him. But this time he does. So we're going to see what his son's response is, beginning with verse 22. Ham, the father of Canaan, <clears throat> Canaan there, there's that significant detail again. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders, and then they walked in backward and covered their father's naked bodies. body. Their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father naked. So you get the picture. Here's one brother, and here's the other brother. They've got the, 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 the blanket uh, or the garment, and they, they go inside the tent, and they're backing up. When they are aware that they've gotten to their father's body, then they cast it off and cover him up so that they don't see him naked. Very honorable. Very, very honorable thing for Shem and Japheth to do. Ham, however, did the dishonorable thing. Now, we may say, well, wait a minute, I'm trying trouble figuring this out. What's so big a deal about Ham going out and telling his brothers? Well, I think we can conclude from this, and we'll get on in a few more verses where it really becomes clear, that Ham took a snickering delight in Noah's sin, uh, perhaps some pleasure in exposing his father's sin to his brothers. Was it really necessary to tell them? Or would it have been better for him when he realized what he was seeing to have immediately covered his father's body? I think that would have been the honorable thing to do. Sometimes in family relationships, be husband, wife, parents, children, brothers, sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles, whatever it may be, um, when we get into Situations maybe like this, is it wise to go on radio and broadcast to the world? Or is it wiser to protect and cover a multitude of sins? Now, I'm not saying that we cover up law-breaking or where there's danger, but I'm simply saying sometimes we want to tell the first person we know about the sin of a brother or sister or the disagreement we've had with a brother or sister. And when we do that, we make it, probably not realizing it, but we make it immensely more complicated for things to be made right again. In fact, I've said to couples, when you have a, in premarital counseling, when you have disagreements, and believe me, you will, when you have disagreements, Work it out among yourselves. There's a tendency sometimes to run to mama or daddy or brothers or sisters or work associates and to go and to broadcast. And when we do that, it makes it difficult, more difficult to get things repaired because everybody we tell has an opinion. And they want to tell you what you ought to do. 
And that may not be what you want to do, but they're going to tell you what you ought to do. And if you don't do what they tell you you ought to do, then they're going to scoff and say, well, you deserve what you get. Now, I'm not talking about issues of violence in the home or or law-breaking, abuse, drug abuse. I'm not talking, but I'm talking about just the kind of arguments that husbands and wives have, or brothers and sisters have, or parents and children have. You know, you've all been there. Don't look at me like you haven't. So we've all been there. So we complicate the situation when we feel like we have to tell everybody we know. And that makes sense, doesn't it? So uh, Ham, I, I, I don't think as best as I read the text, is not committing any sin by walking in and seeing his dad on the floor. But then when he decides to walk out and broadcast to his brothers, then, then there's, a, there's a problem. So, as we think about Shem and Japheth acted to cover their father's nakedness by covering his body with a garment. A Noah's own garment. Now, here, here's some, here First Peter 4, 8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Was the loving thing done by Shem and Japheth or by Ham? Shem and Japheth. And doesn't this sound familiar to Genesis 3.21 when the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them after the fall? So um, Shem and Japheth covered their dad's nakedness. Now we get to verse 24 and Noah wakes up from this drunken stupor. And it says in verse 24, when Noah awoke from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done to him. So right there we know Noah was, I mean, he's really out of it. It isn't like in his stupor he sort of remembers what happened. It says he found out. Somebody had to tell him what happened inside the tent. And so when Noah awoke from his wine and found out what his youngest son, that is Ham, had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, whose father is Canaan? Ham. We've already, this is the third time we've seen that relationship. Cursed be Canaan, the lowest of slaves will he be to his brothers. He also said, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Shem. May Canaan be the slave of Shem. May God extend Japheth's territory. May Japheth live in the tents of Shem. And may Canaan be the slave of Japheth. Whoa. Okay, that's a pretty heavy-duty pronouncement. Noah's um, only recorded words, by the way. So these words are strong, and they're very telling about the boys. So Noah curses Ham's son Canaan, blesses Shem and Japheth. It's kind of like this is Noah's last will and testament, because in verse 28 and 29 we find out about his death. Get there in a minute. The curse fell on Ham's youngest son. If you go to chapter 10, verse 6, we find the, the names of... Ham's boys, Cush, Egypt, Put, and Canaan. So 
Ham is the youngest of Noah. Canaan is the youngest of Ham. Why did Noah curse Canaan? Ever wondered about that? Why did Noah curse Canaan? Well, there are three reasons why he did so. Number one, Noah detected in Canaan the evil traits he saw in his father Ham. He's already made the observation of Canaan in his life, and he sees in Canaan a reflection of Ham in his character and in his spirit and in his attitude. Number two, the curse was prophetic, led by the Spirit of God, Noah had already sensed the moral nature and direction of his sons and their sons. And the curse has no power unless the Lord fulfills it. So he is pronouncing a curse, and the Lord will be the one who will fulfill that curse. Number three, Canaan was the father of the Canaanites. That rings a bell, doesn't it? The depraved... Nemesis of Israel. So the curse fell on Israel's future enemies. Essentially depraved pagan people filled with lurid sensuality. And the Canaanites would become the servant of servants to Shem and Japheth in the passing of time. So in verse 26... We read of the blessings of Noah. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Shem. May Canaan be the slave of Shem. So the curses are matched by blessings. And the blessing is directed to the Lord, not to human actors. Look again at the verse carefully. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Shem. Shem by the way, is the ancestor of Israel. Of the three boys, Shem is the ancestor of Israel. And he was already in a covenant relationship with the Lord. Verse 27, May God extend Japheth's territory. May Japheth live in the tents of Shem. And may Canaan be the slave of Japheth. Blessings on Japheth, by the way, Territorially, Japheth's clan covered a vast territory. So the blessing here was fulfilled by God. Japheth's family had their territory extended greatly. Exactly what Noah said here in in that verse. Now, if you look ahead for a moment to chapter 10, verses 2 through 4 you get a picture of the immensity of Japheth's family, the sons of Japheth, Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Meshach, Tiras, the sons of Gomer, and then the sons of Javan, and he lists all of them. Some of the names may sound familiar, others may not. But he pronounces a blessing, and we'll get in chapter 10 to 
make an observation about the territory of, of Japheth. So the gospel is foreshadowed way back in chapter 3, verse 15, when God said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Speaking of the future coming of the Messiah. In chapter 3, verse 21, we see a picture of grace. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed, he clothed them, covering their nakedness. So the gospel, it continues to be pictured. It also is pictured in Noah's deliverance from the waters of judgment. So all through these amazing, fascinating stories, we're looking ahead, we're seeing grace, in the immediate, and we're seeing ultimately what the Messiah will do. A picture, a foreshadowing of the one who is to come. Now, Noah foresaw the blessing of Shem and his descendants and the Israelites. And so we find it in, in this text. Um, a covenant relationship. I'll refer you to, we're not there yet, we'll get there soon. Genesis 12, verses 2 and 3 um, God's covenant with Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. I, I want to read that again. So I think it would do well for the people of 2018 to think about that. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That last phrase, how will the world be blessed through Abram? The Messiah, the one who is to come, Jesus. The ultimate blessing came from the tents of Shem, just as Noah said, to the Gentiles through Christ. Shem, ultimately, Israel comes from Shem, and all of us get blessed by who comes from Israel, the Messiah, Jesus. Okay, all that, see all this, amazing how this just ties together. Sometimes we look at the Bible, particularly Old Testament stories, and we say, well, there's a story, jump ahead, there's another story, jump ahead, there's another story, but there's a link to all of those stories in the divine plan of God. There are no boundaries to the gospel today. And what I mean by that is geographically, there are no boundaries. Colossians 3.11, Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Now, two more verses in this chapter, then we'll see what we can do for very briefly in chapter 10. Look at verse 28. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. Noah lived a total of 950 years, and then he died. Noah uh, is the third oldest recorded man behind Methuselah and Jared. Methuselah lived 969 years, Jared lived 962 years, and Noah 950. So, 
in that order. That's a long time. Okay, let's look at uh, briefly at chapter 10. I, I'm not going to read every verse of chapter 10. I invite you to do that. It's the table of nations. And the table is structured along the lines of Noah's three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Japheth's seven sons lived to the north and east of Canaan. Ham's four sons lived in northeast Africa and Egypt and the eastern Mediterranean and southern Arabia. Just picture all that in your mind. I don't have a map to show you. Maybe you've got one in your Bible. Canaan lived in what we, some people call today, Palestine. Now look at verse 15. Here he is. Now just notice, I just want you to pay attention to the names. Okay, pay attention to the name. Canaan was the father of Sidon, his firstborn, and of the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Girgashites, Hivites, Archites, Sinites, Arvadites, Zemorites, and Hamathites. Later, the Canaanite clans scattered, and the borders of Canaan reached from Sidon toward Gerar as far as Gaza, and then toward Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma and Zeboim as far as Lasha. Now, any bells go off in your mind in verse 15 and 16 as you were reading all those names? Any bells go off? If a bell went off, raise your hand. Right. Who are these people? As you read through the Old Testament and you find the conflicts of God's people, who are they in conflict with? The ites. Come the termites, if you want. The ites. All the ites. So here we are getting a picture of what is, what is to come. Shem's five sons are Semitic people. And I, I, you know, sometimes we say, "Hey, he's an anti-Semite." What do we, what do we generally mean by that? Anti-Jewish, yeah. Look at verse 24 and 25 of chapter 10. Our Faxad was the father of Shelah, and Shelah the father of Eber. Two sons were born to Eber. One was named Peleg because in his time, this. Bible always has a reason for giving more information. So instead of just naming Peleg, it gives us a little more information. And what is it? Because in his time, the earth was divided, and his father was named Joktan. Now, when we get to chapter 11, we'll understand why it says when the land was divided. Okay? You hanging with me? Verse 24 Eber, that is the word, Hebrew word, from, that is the word from which we get the word Hebrew. Oh, now, now we're clicking. So who are the Hebrew people? 
Well, today, what do we call them? Jews. We rarely, you know, you rarely say, well, there goes a Hebrew. <laughs> Usually we say there's a Jewish person. But Eber, from Eber comes Hebrew, the ancestor of the Hebrew people and eventually of Abram or Abraham. Chapter 10 is the fulfillment of chapter 9, verse 1. God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. Alright? Leap forward to chapter 10, and you've got the fulfillment of chapter 9, verse 1. And the world's population spread. The table of chapter 10 shows the interrelatedness of all peoples. So we all have that string of DNA in us. Related to one another. Now, just in general, Ham and his descendants populated Africa, parts of Arabia, and areas around the Mediterranean. Shem and his descendants in the Middle East, or what we would call today Israel and the surrounding areas. Japheth, remember the one who had the big territory? Where did Japheth go? Asia and Europe. Asia and Europe. So, if you are of European descent, and probably the majority of people in here would be of European descent, somewhere back down the line, then you trace your ancestry all the way to Japheth. His people populated Asia and Europe. Okay, now, let me, do the, let me bring us to chapter 11, and then we'll pick up there two weeks from today. All people are united to one another, see that clearly here, by our ancestry and our responsibility to the Creator God. At the same time, people are divided by geography, by language, by ethnicity, by culture, and most of all by their fallenness and sin, which separates them from God and from each other. Now, we get to chapter 11... And we're going to say, oh my goodness, where did this come from? Remember, or, or if you don't know this, let me inform you, chapters 10 and 11 are not in chronological order, they're in thematic order. So we're actually going to know as we read chapter 11 that it occurred before chapter 10. And that'll make sense when you read it, if you haven't read it yet. So next week, two weeks from today, the Tower of Babel, or Babel. Who thinks it's Babel and who thinks it's Babel? I, I tell you, I've heard it both ways and I've said it both ways. But we're going we're gonna to talk about the Tower of B-A-B-E-L two weeks from today. And we'll proceed on from there. Because you know what comes after 11, chapter 12, in our introduction to Abraham? And then we're really jetting along, aren't we? Okay. Have a great afternoon. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your precious Word. Thank You for Your instruction. I pray that there's something that we heard today that will be helpful to us as we seek to live for You the rest of the day. And I do pray we'll maintain that intimate walk with You that uh, it would appear to us from Scripture that Noah had walked away from at some point, at least for a while. And so, Father, may we uh, gain wisdom and instruction from that and be very careful to guard our own walk with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you.